0: Welcome to the Granddad's Basement Podcast. We got some changes coming. Uh, I'm probably going to touch on that at a later date and time, but we're expanding. Then I think the this is going to become a, a bit more of a network. I got a, a lot of really awesome things that, that I'm getting involved with that I, I want to share with everybody uh, who's following along so far because I think you're going to get down and dig it too. So let's hop off into the podcast. I recorded an episode with Guy Welsh of Empower Financial LLC in Tucson. Uh, go to EmpowerFinancialLLC.com to learn more about all your financial needs. But but he came in and and really opened up uh, about his life and dropped a banger. And uh, I've been sitting on this since July, so uh, everybody be cool. Enjoy the episode. I think this is the coldest day that I've known you,
1: Mm -hmm. and you're wearing
0: short sleeves and not a suit for the first time.
1: Isn't that the craziest thing in the world? I thought the same thing when I woke up.
0: I was going to tell you, I was like, damn it, he has a lunch to go to after this. I don't want him to wear a suit in the basement. Guy's always wearing (laughs) a fucking suit, man.
1: (laughs) So I'm glad. I'm so happy I, you're not in a suit. I dressed down a little bit. I'm in a golf mood, so I felt like I wear a little polo action. I'm always in a golf mood. Yeah. I find that
0: golfers are the best dressed athletes, and I got like an athletic build and huh? grew up playing sports and whatnot. So just keep it real. Just be like well, whatever. It's, That's like, right. P- plays down as Tucson business. So you could.
1: We're good. Good. Did you watch Kepka this week? Mm-mm. You didn't watch any of the the, the championship this weekend. Brooks Kepka golfer oh no
0: i was just watching nba playoffs oh
1: yeah i didn't watch any of that mm. my okay. bad
0: <laughs> he won though he i did. saw i saw some highlights on ESPN. yeah
1: commanding he he won it in commanding fashion got close though at the end right on so man thanks for coming to the basement dude hey thanks for the invite
0: i uh so we're, we're not even released yet and you hit me up like yeah let, let's do this i'm yeah. like All right, it's gonna be a few months because we're releasing like two weeks right uh but it's like, man, I left the open invite. I would do it to a few people, and you're the first one to be like, "Yo, I want to do this." Like, uh, I think being in here helped. Like,
1: sure. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, that and and to be honest, like, I just think you you got some soul, and I appreciate that. So, anything I can, you know, I'm getting to know you a lot, a lot better, and I want to be part of that. Thank you. It's good stuff. Yeah,
0: no doubt. I appreciate that. Of course. That's, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build just nothing but put out nothing but positivity. Build a positive team around me, and. Team like just people that I kick it with, hang out with, absolutely eat with, grow families together with. We got kids similar age group. They're gonna be growing up together. We're gonna be crossing paths a lot over the next you know several long years. Absolutely. So, so I'm glad that you know you see a little something in me because I definitely see you're just an effervescent change a room type of personality, and I like kicking it, man. I like just just breaking it down, and I like to get you in a, a, another environment as well outside outside of the work stuff everything we've pretty much done has been strictly business so it's cool to break it down man i I definitely i'm glad you're coming through so man how do you start your day you're and i got an underlying point to that you're a successful guy you you know you you know the city you've been through some some stuff and Mm -hmm. you know and uh what do you do and how do your day start i I just want to know how your day start
1: so uh i have a pretty solid routine that I've been doing for the past, I'd say five years. Uh, I read a book back in the day. Uh, the author was Hal Elrod. It's called The Miracle Morning. And before my mornings were very, let's just say not routine oriented. I wake up whenever I decided to wake up whenever I had my first appointment, I just kind of made my day schedule around how my schedule was for that day. I read that book, and I immediately started realizing that I needed to become more structured, needed to have more of a routine so that I every single day felt the same, and I could always have that same momentum going into my mornings. So to answer the question, at 4.30 is when my alarm goes off. Um, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 4.30 a.m. Okay. Okay? Um, I immediately get up. Immediately. Don't lay in bed. No snooze, no nothing. You get up. Okay? And then I do my little morning things. I have to go to the bathroom when I wake up and do all those things. And then what I do is I start, essentially, it's a stretch routine. So I do a 15 to 20 minute stretch. So it's on the ground, um, some leg stretches, some upper body stretches, some plank stuff. Um, And I use that time as kind of a meditation time as well, because I'm usually pretty groggy at 4.30 in the morning. So I use that to get up wake up, and then also I use that to do some affirmations. Now, I know that's kind of weird, but saying positive things to yourself every day I don't think hurts. Self-affirmations. Self-affirmations, right. So, I mean, I guess I could tell you. So uh, I say I have a stand. I created a stand for my life to make sure that I had purpose every single time I woke up. So I stand for bringing passion, positivity, and value to every individual I come in contact with, whether personally, professionally, or socially. I aim to be a positive influence in the lives of those around me. Wow, I say that every single day, twice to myself in the morning, just to make sure that I'm saying that every single time. Because I truly, every human being I come in contact with, I try to be positively impacting them. Right? Whether it's just, hey, what's up, man? You having a good day? How's your family? You know, just being something that's not a negative drain. I want you to remember me for a positive, not a negative.
0: And you're conscious. This is a conscious every single morning.
1: Every single morning.
0: I love that. I love that because I most recently I just made a list. I think that's something I'm n- I'm not even knowingly to me working towards. Mm-hmm. Like, I made a list just last week. Things I things I do things I do I do, every, I do every, every day, and things I do every day.
1: We we'll got that echo back and the static
0: out of nowhere.
1: Um... Did it fix itself? Yeah,
0: it did. Okay, we'll just edit it out. Yeah, that's fine. <clears throat> Yeah, that's another beauty. Like, we're not live. I can chop that up. It's it's great. Damn, I really need a new one of these. I think it's this internally. Mm -hmm. Shit, man. All right. It's Um, fine. It fixed itself. All right. Sorry about that, everybody. So we were kind of just going over. We had some technical difficulties, but we were just talking about daily routines, and I think I'm building towards something similar to what you got going on. I made a list of just things I do every day, from, from brush my teeth to floss you know, a few other things, random thoughts I have every day, I'm real deep in my head a a lot, Mm -hmm. and you know, I have, there's a few constant thoughts, just, you know, things about my mom, issues with my dad, you know, the wife, the kids, you know, the obvious ones, and then you know, some random ones, so thoughts as well, but one of the things I do every day too is stretch. I am not a 4.30 wake-up (laughs) <laughs> kind of guy never have been military 14 years didn't instill that in me i'm a if it's in the morning i'm walking in at the time things are happening mm-hmm. it's rough i've just always been like that i'm a natural and like i got tired all day yesterday was all last weeks had pulled late nights up past 1 a.m to i'm a four thirty a.m go to sleep Oof. kind of guy so you know and i was up till two or three one of the weekend, uh one of the days last week was four like i Wow. I was really tired just up i'm doing stuff and you know, i'm hand, i'm like that's kind yeah, of yeah. my time to get creative stuff handled i'm I'm sitting on here just writing i'm in here you know creating doing stuff but I've never been that morning person, but I do do, before, before bed, I do an intense, rigorous stretching routine, and I'm a big stand-up comedy fan, so I usually got some comedy on the okay. headphones, just, but sometimes it's too funny, and now I'm like, I'm in my bedroom, the wife's sleeping, Cracking up. the baby's still young enough, he's in the room, so I'm like, all right, I better turn, this is too funny, let me just, let me just focus on the stretching, and actually get that mind-muscle connection, and right. stretch out those muscles, and it's more than just the motions, the stretch, actually getting in, feeling the stretch, mm-hmm. and I think that's, and that's real because you grew up an, an athlete playing sports, and you played at a high level at some point. I'm gonna come back to that. Yeah, but you build that that muscle density. There's just a deep muscle natural density you have throughout years of activity, and mm-hmm. whether that be manual labor, working weight room, you know, playing sports, whatever anybody's background was. Yours is sports, mine was sports and weight room and manual labor. Jesus, you know, and uh, when I instituted stretching, I haven't worked out in a while. Like, actually gone to the gym, worked out. I mean, by gym, it's in my garage with kettlebells. I just cleared out some space so I can get back into it. <clears throat> but, man, I'm still – I hit green smoothie every morning. Nice. And stretch every night, and it's just maintaining the muscle density. Like, I'm, I got on the scale the other day for the first time in about six months and gained about six, seven pounds, and I, it's good weight. Like, I'm looking like – Okay. Right. Right. You no, know and it's all based on stretching because with the stretching comes core, and I got exactly my, my lumbar's all messed up. So I do a lot of uh, put my feet up on the wall, so mm-hmm. I'm at a ninety and just reaching up, yep, and then reaching back. Wow, yeah. that one, and then I, I decompress over. Uh, um, the, the plyometric ball? What, what's it called? The, yeah, the plyo ball. That yeah, is what it's called. Physio ball. Yeah, yeah. The, we got a big one of those. So I'd kind of lean over that every now and then. We got a small one downstairs. That one's not as good. I'm too tall for it. Mm-hmm. But the there's so much to that, just taking care of yourself. Because I, I really believe that you can't give a positive output without taking care of yourself first. Absolutely. I mean, people, oh, family first, my kids first. Yeah, but no. No, it's really myself first because it has to be because if i don't have this green smoothie every day keep myself regular absorb those nutrients you know and that, that, this keeps me fine through lunch a lot of times i'll i'll have a very very light lunch if anything at all mm-hmm. cuz my body's got nutrients i have a lot of bone broth if i smoke a chicken smoke some ribs whatever i keep those bones put it in the crock pot 12 hours just in some water throw an onion in there you got some bone broth and mm. that's some of the healthiest most digestible protein that mm. you can get and you just have to just do it overnight in the crock pot like your house Smells like soup right. for a few hours. That's but okay. Yeah, you know, you're not having a stroke. It's just, it's just <laughs> soup. So you know, putting all the, putting all the, the proper nutrients in, taking a vitamin before bed. You know, the stretching. You know, really, I mean, the positive affirmations, the mental health. So you got, so you got your, your physiological with, the, with the stretching. Mm-hmm. You know, you got your gut brain connection. You know, mm-hmm. if you're putting healthy nutrients in, you know, if your stomach's healthy, there's a direct correlation with that in your brain. So it got you thinking clearly. Yep. And it, and then to get it with just the affirmations to get just that that mental that focus. I am somebody I want to do positive for people and mm-hmm. everybody I encounter. Those are all conscience efforts. Two, you're having yourself first, but you're able to put other people, at least at the same spot. I don't, you know, that's not very well thought out, but
1: oh well, no, I get you. Well, I agree with that hundred percent because, like you just said. My my family is my number one, but my family will be number two if number one isn't taken care of, and number one is me.
0: Yeah, and that's a, that's long term. Like, whether that be health issues, you're in the hospital because you're having a stint put in your heart. Mm-hmm. Whether you can't go out play with your kids because you know you've put on too much weight and you're you know all that on your knees is just killing it, and your back you can't you got inflammation, you can't right. get out there play with your kids. I got two kids under two, you know, like. And our kids are a month like apart in their respective exactly. ages. How old's your oldest?
1: Uh, he's what? He's two years and three months. Okay, so he's. Three, right. four, four
0: months older than my son, and then I think our babies are a month apart. Yeah,
1: because mine's going on seven months right now, so he'll be seven months this next month.
0: Okay, so so mine's two. So there, so our kids are like both four or five months apart, and are we got so two kids be, under two and a half years old. Yeah, they're going to be. <laughs> I mean, they're literally going to be growing up together, going to school together, playing exactly. sports with and against each other. So that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. So talk about just parents, parenting, being parents, being dads. What was your parental influence? You know, what? You know, growing up, you know, your parents married, you know, mm-hmm. set, you know t- tell me, just tell me about it.
1: Yeah, so uh, I, I think I was fortunate. My, I had my mom who stayed at home with my brother and I. So I have a younger brother. He's two years younger than me. Um, so we were very lucky to have my mom be able to stay home with us. Uh, with that being said, though, my dad was working quite a bit. So uh, my father was was around, right, but he was working a lot, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, even on Christmas, he was an air traffic controller, OK, so he was a very he had to be at the office. I mean, when you're controlling airplanes, yeah. right, you need to make sure that you're taking care of your job because it's a pretty stressful job as well.
0: Very intense, very stressful. Lots of lives in the world at at risk. Yeah. Air traffic control. It's 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 very serious. So how how was that stress on his job when it got home?
1: It definitely, you know, my dad is not a lover. Uh, he's a very, he he grew up military family. Um, he was army, uh, for four years. And so he's very regiment, very, not a lot of touchy feely stuff. Very, I'm teaching you with my words and I'm teaching you that I love you with my words. I'm not hugging you and showing you that I love you with touch. Mm -hmm. Um, so growing up, I didn't have a lot of touch from my father. So, my mom is where really where my brother and I got a lot of that from. So my influences are, from, from a loving standpoint, I got a lot of that from my mom. Um, and then my dad, he's taught me a lot about um, how, to, how to think first before you take actions, how to not jump into things, how to get, don't get overwhelmed by emotion, right? My mm-hmm. dad is a very emotionless human being. Um, now that he's retired, I'm trying to, get some of it out of him because I think it's in there, but to no success at all yet. Uh, Not yet. (laughs) But eventually I think it will happen. I think with, so with our, with our kids, um, seeing him as a grandfather and seeing he's now being able to hang out with my children the way that he was unable to hang out with us. Mm -hmm. And I think that he's starting to uh, grow some emotions that he didn't knew he had now later in life, which is pretty neat. For that
0: generation, just the generation above us, our mm-hmm. our dads, whether they're you know fifty to seventy, seventy five maybe these days, they, it, they grew up different. They were the the kids of World War II, exactly veterans, and that was just Tim. Ken- you know, who Tim Kennedy is mm. uh, army special forces. He used to fight in the UFC. Uh, decided he fighting career wasn't going right. He went back in the army recently, and he's doing some really cool stuff. Okay. But he has a quote. He says, uh, hard times make hard men. Soft times make soft men. Hard men make soft times. Hmm. And it's just a vicious circle. And things have been going really well in this country for for quite some time off the backs of those those hardened men. And Absolutely. things are getting to a very soft point right now. And it's emotion doesn't have to be soft. That's one thing I'm most upset about it my parents was not emotionally equipping me to deal with anything mm. really in life I, I was always seen and never heard I was never taught I had a voice I was never taught my emotions mm. mattered so a real and I had an absentee father so yeah I didn't have a lot of, a lot of influence there either he came around later and then since then the relationship's gone south to date anyways we, right. you know we'll see what, what time brings out and what, what we can do to make it happen at the end of the day it's my dad so we'll, you know hopefully we can figure something out but as of right now we're not really in each other's lives he those know his grandkids. That's that's really sad. It's sad mm-hmm. to me. But back to you know, kind of what we're saying with the emotional standpoint. Like I get it, and my, my mom. So being a single parent, she's out and about working, doing her thing, providing. You know, I always had clothes, clean clothes. Always had sh- uh, shelter, food. Like it was taken care of. But the supervision wasn't there. So I had to figure a lot out on my own, and so I'm way overly emotional with my kids. At just hugs, kisses all the time. Hey, I love you. Hey, I know you're two, but we're gonna talk about this. Okay, we're done. Have a three second conversation. Mm -hmm. That's all you need. That's all you can do. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not. I'm gonna give you a hug. I love you. Okay, now go back and play. Okay, hey, you just lost your cars till after lunch. Like that just happened. So sorry. They're going up here. Don't go play with something else. You Mm -hmm. shouldn't have thrown that. So to be, I just, I just love parenting and. I don't ever want to overparent, but I'm totally going to overparent. It's mm-hmm. it's awesome. I just want to be involved. I, lo- I love being a dad. Like I dig it. Like I don't get how somebody wouldn't Enjoy want to it. want to do that and be there. But yeah, I wanted to emotionally equip my kids just to hey, this is how you f-. I will always I promise to my sons to always acknowledge your feelings. Mm-hmm. I'll acknowledge them, you know. We'll see what happens after right. after that and we might have to go another route and you're sure. still going to be pissed off, but right. I'll always acknowledge your feelings and teach you that you have a voice. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, that's something to me, I, that would have gone a long way.
1: That's an awkward lull. We like those. <laughs> Bad for radio.
0: That's all right. We're just going to cut Good it. Good for thought, though. Tell me about sports. I want to know, because all I know is you play baseball. I did. That's, that's, that's it.
1: That's it? Yep. That's all I know. So, sports for me growing up, uh, I played a almost all of them. So I well, didn't play soccer. My dad didn't like soccer. Uh, so I played basketball and I played baseball. The cool part for me about baseball is I came home from school one day. This is coming. This is regurgitated from my mother. And I said, Mom, I want to play baseball. No one told me to do it. I just came home. And I, so my mom goes, well, I have no idea how we do this. So we go to the YMCA, which is a beautiful thing, right? That's why the YMCA is there, to provide a resource to kids who want to play sports and don't know where else to go, right? So we show up to the YMCA. I have my first coaches pitch league, and it was awesome, and I fell in love with just the game. So I played at Pima Community or played at Sabino High School here in town, was a shortstop there. Pretty good, um, above average, if you will. Went on to play at Pima Community College because I was a very small high schooler. Believe it or not, really? Yeah, I was probably five eight, buck sixty five, soaking wet. In, uh, in y'all s-
0: can't see guy because you're listening to this, <laughs> but uh, guy's like 2'15". Two, two that's that's <laughs> about right. With, with some big meat eaters on him. Yeah, it's
1: uh, I. So I went to Pima because I was small and. My freshman year at Pima, I'm not kidding you. I grew five inches and gained 35 pounds. I was a late bloomer, very very bit. late bloomer. Late. My whole life, I was a late bloomer. I didn't have I didn't have armpit hair till I was like 18. I mean, it's crazy stuff. Wow. Yeah, pretty gnarly. So,
0: had, on the opposite spectrum, I started puberty around 10, fourth grade. <laughs> like, <laughs> hair started popping <laughs> up and started saying. smelling, needing deodorant, like, real early in elementary yeah. school,
1: like, still in elementary yeah, school. Yeah, that was, I was the polar opposite of wow. you. Yeah. I I wanted to be you when I was <laughs> 18 years old and you were 10. I stopped I didn't at have, 14.
0: Everything stopped at fourteen. Yeah,
1: I get it. So after Pima, uh, I was I got a scholarship to the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. So UNCG, yeah, Greensboro, North Carolina holds a very very special place in my heart. That place is absolutely phenomenal. If you've never been to North Carolina, go visit. So let me pause you. Yeah. the whole, that
0: Southeastern region, I'm a vibes guy. I catch just vibes and energy. And my very first drive through the deep South, I was going to North Carolina. I got some very close family friends there, people who like militarily, I grew up in the military, like mm-hmm. from, I got, I was 19 and these people were just in charge of me and it became family. And so I'm driving to go see my, my, my first military family there off through North Carolina, but the southeast. Speaks to me just the where the country started. Oh, you know, man. The, I mean, civil war, all the blood that was shed just back and forth, the lives that were lost, and it's in the trees. Right. Like, they're, tell, they're, they're still putting out that frequency, and that was just, like, gave me chills. My first time driving through the deep south, I was like, holy crap. I love North Carolina as well. So you're at yeah. Greensboro.
1: Yep, Greensboro, North Carolina. So I was – I think a couple things happened. So I was, I was always pretty good at playing ball. Um, so I played at Pima for two years, and it was a wood bat league. So at Pima, it was wood. So you like only that. use wood bats. But then when I went to University of North Carolina, Greensboro, it's a Division One, and they use metal.
0: And you're still playing shortstop?
1: Uh, I was third base at this time. Okay. I transitioned to third base. Okay. Because I was a little bit too big. For for shortstop at that point Because I bulked you up got, quick, you, right? got, you got too big got too You didn't big. know how to use your it, body Exactly So they say hey, Put you him know, in third no, base Play the hot corner But I was good really I had good hands I, I was always good in defense Defense was my forte But then when I got to University of North Carolina Greensboro I started using a metal bat And I started Just hitting the cover off the ball And and literally and figuratively um, so after my junior year, I had a little bit of an injury after my junior year because I was supposed to get drafted my junior year but went through an injury, which kind of set me back. I had a hernia, and it's really hard to swing a baseball bat hard consistently with a With a, your or kind of on the problem. outside? Yeah, it yeah. was not good. <laughs> so fixed that my junior year, came back my senior year, and had a, a pretty good year and was drafted. Was getting looked at by a lot of teams inevitably was picked up by the seattle mariners so the seattle mariners picked me up in the 18th round um and i got shipped off to peoria arizona for because when you get the draft happens in early june mm-hmm. and the the season for the minor leagues has already been going on for a couple months so they kind of ship you over to peoria and then figure out where you're going to be going um so i went to rookie ball then i went to an a ball team that year and i finished out that year went and played the next year in a ball and and then the next year is when I was in double A and then I broke my leg uh off of the field and that kind of ended the baseball. Where uh, where did you break your leg? Uh Kennewick, Washington is where I broke my leg. Uh what wh- upper or lower? It was the Did you break I, your femur? I, no, not the okay. not the big one. So I, I'm really bad at the two bones in your in your lower leg. One of those. The though? outside bone. I think it's the tibula tibula. Tibula? Tibia, fibula For for all I know, that's the one in your arm It's a tib and the fib Whatever one down there, I broke the the small lower bone But completely in half Yeah, it was not good I was in a golf cart and I had a buddy who was driving And we were doing some things we shouldn't have been doing And, you know, you live and you learn And you do some things as a a kid that you don't really want to remember Right, and when you (laughs) act like a
0: jackass, jackass things will happen I I met this dude as a client For the first time I'm meeting him uh, I said, well, what'd you do to your leg? Well, I was doing this on my bike. I was like, on your bike, your mo- motorcycle, crock rocket? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, you're acting like a jackass. Mm-hmm. And he was a Marine Corps veteran, an no, Air Force veteran. So he mm-hmm. was just like, what? I was like, he's like, yeah. I was like, well, what, what did you, do you expect? So he went in. Postscript, he had to have a, a second, his first surgery, ACL, or everything. I think it was ACL, MCL, everything up in there tore Oof. up. So got that, and then he had to have a second surgery on it. It didn't go well, and I haven't heard from him since because he's, like, real depressed about it. I think there's talk
1: of maybe he needs to lose his leg. Oh, so, man. Yeah, that's it's
0: real, chat. real sad. Just like, damn, but act like a jackass, jackass shit happens. That's- so you
1: break your leg. So, I broke my leg, and that's a whole nother story but so I broke my leg in Kennewick, Washington, but because I was still property of the Seattle mariners the the doctor in Kennewick, Washington was unable to fix the actual break that moment, so the break was so bad that so we ran into something. Very stationary we ran into a fire hydrant your leg was hanging out it was in but we hit a, an angle so that it came into the side and it hit my leg and busted my tibia out through the front of my leg mm. so i had a huge like i think it looked like a bear trap clapped over my leg mm-hmm. right and my bone was sticking out through the front of my leg so they just went in and they they fixed that fract or not the fracture the uh the place that was open they fixed the opening And they sewed me shut with my bones still broken in there. Because the Mariners didn't want them operating on my bones because they wanted to have our doctors do it. Sure. So I'm sitting in Kennewick Hospital and they let me, I had to sit there for five days. And then my mom flew out from Tucson to Kennewick, picked me up, we had to hop on an airplane with my broken leg to fly to Tucson Orthopedic Institute to where they had to open my leg back up, do the actual fixing the bone surgery and then I was out of surgery. Let me tell you this. Being carted around an airport with a fully, completely shattered leg and going on an airplane, I was that guy on the airplane where you saw like three big dudes picking me up and carrying me up the airplane. Because Kennewick is a small airport, so they didn't have like a, a jetway. You had to You're go on the, the tarmac yeah. and then get carted up on these. and And I'm sitting there and my leg could not be bent. So I'm sitting in the middle of the aisle with my leg out, and you got people like, you know, people don't really know what's going on. So, you know, you get people accidentally hitting it. And more importantly, I was just comatose because I was on so much medication. Right. Um, but that experience was, it changed my life for sure. Um, you know, they, everything happens for a reason, right? Whether you believe that or not, whatever it is, it, it everything happens. And I think how you react to those things is what, makes you who you are
0: so when you're looking down at still in the golf cart and you see your leg oh. popping out of your leg first thought is i'm not playing baseball anymore
1: no first thought was what do i do because we were in the middle of nowhere and it was 3 a.m
0: oh i just assumed you're playing golf so you're no. on some jackass shit. yeah that's okay. some
1: real i like i said i <laughs> I love to tell the story, but it takes like an hour because it's a fun we'll, story. We'll come back. <laughs> we will. We'll, yeah, we'll come uh, back. But yeah, like some real jackass stuff. And I look. I well, so I just. And the crazy part. I just. I just got these brand new, all white Jordans. They were so fresh, and I had these jeans <laughs> on, and I looked good, right? Because we were going. We were out. Yeah. And I looked down, and my all white Jordans are all red. Because of the because Mm -hmm. it my bone was sticking on my leg, so I went to go step out of the golf cart, which I had to go out of the driver's side because the passenger side was blocked by whatever we by what we hit. I didn't know at the time, but it was a fire hydrant. I go to step out of the golf cart because all I felt was my leg numb. Mm -hmm. I didn't see it yet because my pants were down, and I stepped into just mush, like you know, like you know, you step into it. And I said, guys, this is not good, not good, not good at all. And then the ambulance had to come. My two buddies who were with me, they went to jail. Um, because we had commandeered a golf cart yeah. from an apartment complex because mm-hmm. there were no taxis at the time. So we figured we just take a golf cart back to the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happened. Completely logical. Yeah, that was good. So that's, uh, I just, when it happened, I really can't remember exactly what my first thoughts were, but it was like, I think it was like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? And then, Oh my God, how bad is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, am I gonna die? Stuff because I was bleeding. Right, I hit an artery too, so I'm I'm bleeding out. And I'm there's an artery that low. Yeah, there's some some arteries that going through your. I don't know if it's like a main artery or like or some veins or things like that. Whatever it is, I I was bleeding out. Wow, not like aggressively, but let's just go ahead and say. I mean, blood was running down the sidewalk into the water main. Yeah, right. So. I'm looking at that, and I'm going, "What is this gonna do? Like, what do I? How do I? What do we do?" And my buddy's like, "Well, we gotta call the ambulance." So we called the ambulance. I'm just got I remember the first thing I asked the guy when I, the paramedic when I got in the ambulance was like, "Am I gonna die? Because if I am, I need to call my my fiance. I need to call my mom because this is some messed up stuff." And they said, "You're not gonna die at all. You're <laughs> fine. You're like, we got you hooked up now. Nah, so, you're it's not a lower gonna leg die. injury, we're, sir. We're not gonna <laughs> die." But it was pretty bad, right? Yeah. Like so, when I saw it, it was just like, holy, like so much red, and bone, and bone, so and bone marrow. Yeah. So the probably the worst part about it was calling my uh, fiance um, and letting her know what had just happened, mm-hmm. and then calling my mom, um, which was equally uh, awful. You don't want to make that call.
0: Damn.
1: So your mom comes up. Did your fiance come up? No. I told her to stay away, so I didn't see my fiancé for three months after. Really? Yeah, I did not want her to see me in the state that I was in. I'm not Just kidding you. I was, I was I was, on so much opioids and and, and all the drugs that you can get, cause the strongest drugs, because I had a completely broken leg inside of a sewed-up wound. My skin was, like, yellow. And you're, what, 23?
0: 24? Shoot, yeah, 24? 24? So where were you at with, as far I mean, there, you got on these pills and, like, you need them. Mm-hmm. Where were you mentally? Like, you, you're, I mean, you seem a pretty self-aware guy. Like, maybe you're even self-aware then mm-hmm. where, okay, I don't want you to see me because there's I, a, there's something for me. There's a problem. This isn't me. I couldn't me. move.
1: Like, I, I was immobile for mm-hmm. four months. I, I mean, I was bed-stricken, bedridden, bedridden, bed-ridden. and stricken. I, I was yeah, all struck to goes, my bed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a very long time. And it was... I was not in a good spot, man. Like, really, really not a good spot. Like, recontemplating my whole life, understanding what comes next, what happened, like, still understanding why did this happen? How did it happen? How did I end up here? What do I go now from here? And does my wife, my fiance, still want to marry me when I'm not a baseball player anymore? Does she... Oof. There was a lot. Uh... If it wasn't for my my brother, I don't think I would have been able to make it out of that mental spot. My brother was, he just graduated from U of A that summer. And I spent that whole entire summer with him. And that was the best summer of my life uh, to this day. And he profoundly impacted the way that I think, the way that I understand how life should work. Um, And he saved me. I don't know if he knows that, but he did. By just quality time, Mm -hmm. being there? Yeah. And I just got to... He was so positive, overly positive with me and and making sure that he understood that he... Guy, we love you for you. We don't care if you play baseball. That's not what defines you, right? Because think about it, man. 24 years, all I was doing was playing baseball. That's all I was good at.
0: Yeah, and your brain's not formed yet, so your brain is... Has been forming
1: around baseball baseball exactly, so when you take that away from somebody uh, I, I I had a hard time getting over that, and so it got dark, oh yeah For a I've long always time. been a positive guy, yeah, and so it wasn't like to the point where I'm like, oh, you know contemplating like what am I going to do, like do I need to end this right It was never got there, mm-hmm. but it was my life is over. I'm I'm not going to recover from this. Uh, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. Wow. But you did. Well, thank God. So you don't
0: have to lose your leg. You don't have a cane. You know, you're getting kind of rehabbing. You get to a point where you're, you're walking again. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, how did... Do- what did you, what did you decide? How did you get? How did you turn it around?
1: So if what? you're in the
0: if you're in this lowest of low yeah, where your passion is ripped away, mm-hmm. like I played baseball not at, not at the high of level, but I played baseball for a very long time. I love baseball. Mm-hmm. I will watch baseball and fighting. Those are my first two before football, before basketball. I, a zero zero game is just as exciting to me in the bottom of the seventh as a five four game going into I the ninth it. is. Like I awesome. love baseball, like the purity, big league, just stuff, just Good, yeah. love it, uh, love it. I, I dig it. So that, and you're okay. What am I going to do? This is now gone. You know,
1: damn. Only Was thing the finance I thought.
0: World next?
1: No, no. I so I went straight to co- went back to co- coaching because that's the only thing I knew. So I started doing some private lessons and I started doing okay. some some work within the baseball entrepreneurial. World. Yeah. So I also uh, took on the head coaching job at raincon High School. Okay. So I was a head coach at on High School. But while I was doing that, I left college about three, about two semesters early um, to go play ball. So I also re-enrolled at the back at the University of Arizona to get my degree. Okay. Now, my degree originally was in communication. So I just transferred all my stuff from Pima, from UNCG, all the way over to U of A. And I went to two semesters while I was rehabbing and finished my degree from University of Arizona. I think that is what got me a little bit more confidence. Uh, I was able to go to class and still be who I was and still be confident in my ability to show up and take a test and show up and do this. And then you get the satisfaction of graduating, right? Whether that's means anything or not these days, right? For me, it was like, okay, I could accomplish something still, you know? So I got my degree and how I got in the finance world, man, I got a random call one day. Uh, a, a recruiter from New York Life called me and said, "Hey, guy, uh, I came across your your resume online, which I don't even know how my resume was online. To be honest with you, I didn't put it on there. Brother got you, uh, hooked you up." Uh, and he goes, "I re- I see you have a baseball background." I'm going to send you a personality profile. I want you to take it. I took the personality profile. The guy called me back five minutes later and said, I want to invite you in for a first interview. I went back in there for three interviews, and I said, you know what? This is an amazing opportunity. I'm going to run with this. So that's what started my career in the finance world, and that was, God, nine years ago.
0: Right on, man.
1: So, I mean, it was – I'm not a finance major. I'm not a – I never had any finance background. I just fell in love – with what I was able to do in people's lives. At the very beginning, I told you kind of what my stand was, why I want to make sure I'm bringing a positive impact into into people's lives. If I can do that on a daily basis, in coaching, I was able to teach kids things that they were unable to get because I had the experience and I had the wherewithal to help them understand how to apply it to their current situation, Right. In the finance world, I'm able to sit down with people and help them see or learn things that they might not have understood or make things easier to understand and bring a positive impact into those families' lives. Everything that I'm going to be doing and everything I I plan on doing in my life has to have that. If it doesn't, it's it's not going to fit me. It's not going to allow me to do what I can do, and it's not going to allow me to make the impact that I know I can make in people's lives. So I think that finance is a perfect way for me to... still be cool uh, i don't know you know like i can st- i don't want to be that stuffy always wearing a suit always wearing a tie uh you have me in your house and i and i'm, I'm like a mib like men in black right like i'm i'm showing up there and i'm like i don't want to be that guy like i want it to be i still want it to be fun i still want to be the normal quirky witty human being that i was meant to be but being able to apply some knowledge and education in finance and, and being able to maybe to have a conversation with people that otherwise wouldn't have allowed me in if I was that stuffy guy. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's kind of my approach is I want to make sure I can be myself and let people know that it's not scary and you can talk to me and I'll be just as cool as if I was talking to you at a bar at nine thirty at night.
0: Yep. And you have the ability, which I think I have as well to have a business relationship and a personal relationship with somebody and have, I mean, it's, it's a tough delineation to make sometimes, sure. But it's it's there, sure. And, you know, and I think that you do that in your business. I want I want to hit a couple more things talking about. Yeah. So you you give back to people. And we're gonna start wrapping up here in a second. Yep. But uh, you you have the death talk a lot. I do with people, mm-hmm. and I I just presume to varying levels of response. Mm-hmm. You know. So what is because you you bring this up? You talk to a lot of people. You know, you're you're trying to do retirement planning. You know, mm-hmm. and part of retirement planning, family planning. Is having you know life insurance in line, and when you're talking about life insurance, you're talking about somebody dying. Yeah. So when you get you know a husband and a wife together, no matter what the age, whether they have kids or not, like is there the acceptance versus avoidance? Like, do more people avoid the conversation? I mean, I'm not like, even right now. We're avoiding a conversation. Sure. So, and not you and I. I yeah, uh, yeah. No, uh, I get. In it. my household, for those of you listening, uh, <laughs> um, right. my wife and I were trying to get some things in order, and there's. You know, there's some avoidance there. People are really hesitant, and I, you know, I guess like scared would be the underlying reason right. as, as to why. So, so does that happen a lot? You know, do, are there a lot of people accepting of it, open to talk about it, or is most people just kind of scared of death?
1: So, well, I think everyone's afraid of death uh, to an extent, whether it's fear or or lack of a, of understanding or lack of wanting to a breach or you know have that conversation. But it, here's what I, here's how I'll break it down is. I have that conversation all the time, and to me, I'm a little bit numb to the conversation because I have to be because I'm a planner and I can't let emotion get in the way of helping people understand things that are important. Now, if it's not important to somebody, that's fine, right? I'm, but I'm still going to have the conversation. If it is important, here's what I here's what I think. What I've seen, I think the the people who avoid it. Are, are they're not avoiding it because they're fearful of it. They're just avoiding it because they don't understand it. They don't understand the planning that can go into it, right? And it's got to be like some of the most successful people I've ever talked to, they, they just get it because I think they've seen some things and they know it's just part of the planning, right? Some of the other people that I talk to, maybe more the middle of the road people, they avoid it because they're a fearful of, a, of a having that conversation because either they don't understand it they they think it's going to be really expensive. You know, they, they don't understand costs associated with it. But at the end of the day, when it breaks down, when you're talking about planning, whether it's death, whether it's disability, whatever it is, there can't be any emotion on the planning side of it because I have to have the conversation with you. Right. But secondly, I have a unique experience in my life because I've delivered death claims. Mm-hmm. I've sat down with a family mm-hmm. who had life insurance. And the primary breadwinner or a member of that family has died. And I see what type of an impact, whether it was not enough or more than enough from an insurance standpoint. So I've seen all different spectrums. I've seen somebody who goes, this is all he left me? Because they know that that's not going to be enough. Because they know the the storm that they're about to go in. Right. Versus I have the person who goes, okay, thank God he took care of us. Right. So I have that obligation to at least share those emotional experiences that I have had in sitting down with those families who have gone through a death because no one thinks it's going to happen to them until it happens to them.
0: Yep. Until all of a sudden grandpa decides he's no longer happy, wants to go off his heart medication, his face up, uh, unresuscitable. Your mother doesn't want to be the executioner of the will. So all of a sudden you got to close out this estate. Like what is going on? It's good. That's good. And I like that. Just the death talk just to, Connected back into parenting and what we were saying earlier, you know, emotional acceptance, a varying amount of emotions. I think death as a part of life, people need to be prepared to and whether you go through it at a young age or, you know, it's later in life before sure. somebody in your life passes away. I think that, you know, it's our job as fathers, you know, families, parental units, I guess, mm-hmm. entirely to explain to their kids like death, the impact of death, that life is finite. Like there is a finite thing right. here. So get out there and. And, and make it worth something
1: well and it, it's education right everything spends stems back to just be educated on things right like with my kids i want to teach them about death they need to understand what it is it doesn't need to be taught to them in a hopefully it doesn't need to be forced upon them it can be learned through those conversations and i think that's the approach i take in every asset of my life is or every aspect of my life is just Let's, let's learn about it so that we can be more educated so then we can be more powerful and empowered to make powerful decisions
0: right on so I got one more question yep where where do you make family time like you know what 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 time do you have a locked in date night you know what is your evenings like with the kids where mm-hmm. is you know what you know because I know your kid has a bat in his hand already like that oh yeah know, that that I know so besides that like like what just what do you do?
1: I try to schedule. I have to schedule it, so my schedule gets pretty busy. And I and I do a lot uh, here in town. Uh, from a, I'm involved in multiple charities and things like that. So my evenings, twice a week, I have evenings where I won't be home until after the kids are in bed, and my wife knows that. So we have a little calendar, and I'll put those on the the the, the months, and so that she knows when I'm going to be home late or when I'm going to be home early. When I am home early, and when I say early, probably like six. Uh dinner time is a very, very important to me. Um, I want to make sure that we're all sitting at the table. We're all having a, somewhat of a conversation. We're not at the point yet to where I can actually look at my two-year-old and ask him how his day was. He just looks at me and says, you know, Lion King, because they just watched Lion King or something, right? He, so I, I, what I'm trying to, to do is have, like you said, talking, right? Having that conversation. So uh, dinners are very important to me, and then my weekends. Um, I try not to have any... Uh, work on my weekends. That's why I work so hard during the week. Now, if I have to, I will. Um, certain schedules will will make me have to do that. But for the most part, I like to make sure I'm home with my family on the weekends, we go to the park, we go to the zoo, we go to the children's museum, we try and do as many things as we can as a family together. Uh, because I do know that I did not have a lot of that growing up. And I wish I did granted me and my brother and my mom we had a great time but but i know that my dad's lack of presence there from a family time standpoint i can remember the times that we were together let's put it that way mm. and and it wasn't you know i would like to be able to not remember because we were together so much
0: exactly yeah that's one of mine too i i uh i want to be home for bedtime yeah that's important. every night and i'm working on getting the late night i mean we're in a Transition is real, so yeah. we're, we're figuring it out. We yeah. just figured out how to have the one kid get used to get used to this one, learn his personality, yep. fi- figuring everything out. Okay, his his structure, and then we bring another person home, just as we figured the first one out. <laughs> and now it's just it's it's a whirlwind. Fortunately, my wife, she works for a place. They're taking great care mm-hmm. of her. You know, they're like, eh, come back when you're kind of ready, like a loose three months. The last one I think she got four, or four or and a half. Month material they're, they're like, uh, just come back October second. First, it was uh, you got to start your project fourth quarter. So right, uh, but yeah, we're we're good till then. And they're kind of doing the same thing this time. They're like, yeah, just uh, whenever we got it. That's like great. She's, I think she's more just when I what I see the way that they treat her compared to the rest of the employees, she doesn't get how special she is in their operation mm. like that no people don't get that kind of treatment that that my wife gets and they, great. they do not want to lose her she's well compensated it's and gets to work from home yeah you know? that's... she's got hey when boston goes to minnesota tucson goes to minnesota so mm. that's, that's kind of her rules but man i uh i appreciate you coming through let's get out of here uh, I definitely want to circle back There's some more things I want to go in sure. Tackle man I appreciate the love uh, I love uh, everything Everything about you man uh, hey. Most definitely I'm looking forward to, to keeping this going Growing these families together Getting to know you A little bit better And more as time goes on Absolutely Man it's an open door Or in the basement At all times
1: um, I appreciate the invite And I appreciate the opportunity Man I really do Yeah let's get out of here Alright
0: bro Dude heck yeah man Bye.